1: Welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor, editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network, filling in today for Bruce Hooley. It's an honor to be here with you. I told you we were going to freestyle some today, so we're going to freestyle right now. If you want to give us a call, 844-TALK-989. That's 844-825-5989. You have something on your mind? Maybe you want to talk about Ohio Issue 1, that radical proposed amendment that would allow abortion – On demand for matters of convenience would allow minors to transition and abort without parental involvement. And then there's issue two, which is uh, recreational marijuana usage, an amendment that would legalize that. Maybe you want to talk about, I don't know, the UAW strike at all three major auto manufacturers and what you think about that. Feel free to give me a call. Maybe you want to talk about the 2024 presidential election and the fact that Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden by a couple of points. Now, when you add in the plus or minus, that is the margin of error, it's about a dead heat. But that's saying something, considering that uh, regardless of what comes out against Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or any Biden, for that matter. If you go to the New York Times or the Washington Post or all the other uh, Marxist water-carrying organizations, you read a lot about Donald Trump and about his legal woes. It tells me Americans are reading between the lines. They're seeing through the garbage, and they're saying, mm, I'm not so certain that I'm going to believe what I'm reading. I, last count, I think it was like 16 percent of Americans believed what they read in the newspaper or saw on TV. And, you know that's really a travesty. It's a travesty because you work hard, I work hard. We have things that we need to tend to, like our kids and their events, and our finances, and all the things that we occupy ourselves with as hobbies. And uh, we should be able to do that in lean on trusted sources that give us the information we need in order to be informed citizens, in order to vote on important issues like issue one and issue two and the governorship or the state house uh, candidates or school board members. But I'm telling you as an insider, that doesn't happen very often. I'm also willing to admit that we all have woven into our fabric subconsciously a bias and uh, you don't have to guess (laughs) very long or hard at what mine is, but the reality is uh, many in the press and in media are hardwired to love communism. They're, I call them commies. They're commies. They're Marxists. They're people who want more government control. They're people who somehow inherently hate rich people. They're they're people who, um, well, I'm not going to go very far down that road because I don't think it's important or uh, wise to insult. But you need to be able to make informed decisions, and so when the press is not doing the job they were created to do. It makes it inherently harder for you to do that. And uh, how do you respond when you get a bunch of hogwash on the airwaves or TV or in the newspaper? You, you check out. That's why 16% of people believe what they read. So um, yeah, if you have anything on your mind and, and you want to give us a call, please feel free to do so. Um, let's talk about this uh, UAW strike for a moment. Uh, UAW rejects Stellantis' 21% pay hike offer. Their response, we asked for 40. Uh, UAW strike against Ford General Motors in Stellantis is now in its fourth day. And the president of the United Auto Workers, UAW, says a fresh offer of a 21% pay hike from Stellantis is definitely a no-go. And his rank and file have asked for a 40% pay increase at the bargaining table. Uh, the comments from Sean Fain come as UAW members strike at plants owned by the big three automakers for general motors and Stellantis. And uh, that's affecting Ohio. There's, there's striking uh, going on in Ohio when asked about Stellantis's 21% pay hike offer. Fain said, um, yeah, it's a no go. And they've stopped taking pay increases going back to 2018 and they need to play catch up. Essentially that's, that's the, uh, you know, between the lines conversation there. Um, about 12,700 UAW workers are on strike. And of course have ground production to a halt in three plants in Michigan, Ohio and Missouri. And those are the ones that produce the Ford Bronco, the Jeep Wrangler, the Chevrolet Colorado, and you know, here's the challenge with that. There are a lot of little companies that feed the beast to the bigger, the mid and the bigger companies. Uh, the supply chain of auto manufacturing, if you will. And we're talking about the the little tool and die plants in in your community. We're talking about the manufacturers of whiz bangs and rotary girders, if you will. If you watch Tommy Bond, well, check it. I'm I'm checking the specs at the end line of the rotary girder. Uh, those are the places that as production screeches to a halt, let's say that you have a plant that produces one thing for that Ford Bronco or that Jeep Wrangler or that Chevrolet Colorado. Well, if you produce one thing and the final output that you're putting into isn't being produced, that's a big problem. That's a huge problem. Um, I don't know in this environment how many companies can suffer through a really long labor strike. I think the last one was about 40 days. And if you are part of a company, a small company, ask yourself, if you had to stop production and people stopped buying your stuff for 40 days, how would that impact your coworkers? How would that impact the morale of your company? How would that impact you and your family? So that's one of the issues that really needs to be talked about. But to be fair, let's talk about Ford. I mean, last week, the Ohio Press Network published an article. And uh, auto, worker, auto workers were saying, we want to be able to afford the vehicles we build. That's what workers at a Ford plant were saying at a at Michigan assembly plant in Wayne. Um, we just want to be able to afford the vehicles we build. The average price of a base model for the vehicle we build is $60,000, and there's no way we could afford that. Maybe a lease, but we couldn't buy one, one picketer said. And when you take a look at the average wage of a manufacturer manufacturing employee, if you're at $16 an hour and you bump that up to $20 an hour, I mean, it sounds like a good wage, but folks at McDonald's and Taco Bell are making that. And Ford, for example, in 2008, when we had the the last economic crisis, they they, they forwent COLA, cost of living uh, adjustment. And uh, I believe they also uh, allowed new employees uh, to not be opted in to defined benefit pension plans. So they've been carrying – a steady wage, or at least a wage that is not guaranteed to increase with inflation since that time. I don't think that's fair. And you know that I'm not a huge union guy. My my grandpa, God rest his soul, was a union president at the Mansfield Tire back in Mansfield, Ohio. And uh, I was born and reared on the importance of protecting the working man. But I also understand uh, the the downside of of unions, particularly when you're talking about government unions, teacher unions. We, we we've seen some really atrocious things that they back and support. But in this case, in in terms of auto manufacturers, if somebody's making sixteen fifty an hour, and uh, there are workers at McDonald's making twenty dollars an hour, um, it, it doesn't seem fair. But I'm going to tell you something: life isn't fair. But I do believe that those workers should get higher wages and at least a cost of living adjustment, right? But what I really struggle with, because there are some other pieces here. One, are they getting paid a fair wage? I think that needs to happen. What are CEOs making? That's one of the big talking points. This person is extremely rich and wealthy and makes X millions of dollars. And so we're really kind of villainizing CEOs but I don't think that's the appropriate tack to take. I'm not a huge fan of criminalizing or villainizing somebody because they run a company. I don't think any of us have a real solid understanding of what it takes to run a massive organization at that level and to run it profitably. And if you're running an organization that's making billions of dollars, then you're probably going to get paid more and you're probably going to get a bonus. And that amount is obviously going to be higher than the average worker. I really struggle with this idea that we need to to penalize the wealthy in order to make us all feel better. I I think we should empower workers. We should allow them to uh, have access to the ways and means of of advancing themselves. So I'm a little cautious of that. I'm also interested in understanding how EV mandates play into this by adding to the cost structure. Um, hey, thanks for listening to my rant on the UAW strike. Come on back here on the other side of this break. We've got more to cover on the Bruce Hooley Show. Welcome on, welcome all. Welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor filling in for Bruce Hooley. We're praying for you, Bruce. We love you, and we look forward to having you back here soon. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network. I am Eva Grace's papa, Brody and Addison's bonus dad, Whitney's person, and uh, I'm a proud father, which is why when I look at this November ballot initiative, Ohio issue one, I can't stop talking about it. Number one, I'm going to share with you something on air that I don't think I've ever shared before. I know that there are a lot of people who believe in zero-sum as it comes to abortion, right? But regardless of whether it's a six-week heartbeat bill or a 15-week or 22-week limit, there are exceptions if the mother is going to have her life put at risk. I think most people agree that there is a choice there. There's certainly the sticky, uh, hard-to-wrestle-with issue of uh rape or incest and pregnancies caused there and uh I, I i see arguments on both sides of that i'm not weighing in on my position on abortion but what i'm trying to say is i think that it should not be something that we take uh with a grain of salt i don't think that it should be something that is promoted for convenience whether it be uh, i don't know if i can afford this kid or i'm going to i'm going to be stressed you know, there's a decision point before an abortion, and that decision point, Satiris paribus, all things being equal, is when you decided to fornicate. That's a decision point. And did you take measures there? And if the byproduct of that is that you didn't and you are now pregnant, I just don't think that it makes sense. And I'll tell you why. Um I have a beautiful 10-year-old biological daughter. And her chances of being carried to term were almost zero when she was conceived. And we were told that from the get-go. And I refused to accept that. I prayed over her mother's belly every single day because I believed when God put in my mind that she was going to be brought to this earth and that my job was to be her dad and to steward her relationship with the Lord And to be a strong father for her, I took that seriously. And so I prayed over her mother's belly every single night. As Wei led on to Wei, they said, well, you know, she might make it, but she's going to have a genetic disorder. And I refused to accept that, and I continued to pray. She was born. She was born perfectly healthy. And being a father, in addition to being a massive responsibility, is the biggest blessing in the world. I mean, other except other than accepting Jesus as your Lord and savior, it's, it is the, it's the thing. I think that we are one of the things we are designed to do, which is to bring other little humans into the world and, and uh, parent them and steward them into being great adults. And uh, so I think it's important when we look at issue one to recognize that it will make situations like mine, Um, more pressure filled. It will be easier for people to say, you know what? Nah, baby's not gonna be healthy anyway, or we can't afford it or socially I'm going to be stressed. And I just don't like that. But the other part, this is the part that um, we're going to talk about here in just a little bit with John Stover of Ohio value voters is the part in the proposed amendment that would allow minors to abort and gender transition Without parental involvement. And um, that disturbs me. That disturbs me for a lot of reasons. I mean, I'm only a couple of years removed from a conversation with my daughter where she said, dad, do you think I'm a werewolf? And I laughed and she was straight faced and she said, well, my hair grows fast. My nails grow fast and I'm really good at howling. And, uh, you know, can you imagine? Jeff, can you imagine if I would have just let her go out into the woods and said, hey, go forage for food. You're going to stay out there and howl until your friends come. And then you can have a pack of people and then you can just go let the land teach you. Of course not. So we can't be dumb to the fact that. Political peer and social pressure is now so great for kids to. Identify as one of the ninety uh, odd whatever genders come on man and to, and to allow a kid to start that process without parental intervention or involvement is crazy to me, and you go, well, there's no way that a kid's going to transition without the parent knowing well, I've written a story about an eighth grade girl who started to socially transition. And it caused so much emotional turmoil for her that the parents didn't even know she was socially transitioning at school with, by the way, the prompting and the help of teachers until she was suicidal and had to go pick her up at school. That's an issue. But here's the other issue that no one wants to talk about. It's not that they're going to transition without you knowing necessarily ultimately. But it's that once you let the camel's nose up under the tent. And allow them to have the quote right to do that without your oversight. You are now facing the full onslaught of a government and activists who will say to you. If Mikey wants to be Marsha and you don't let Mikey be Marsha, then we're going to take your child. We're going to report you to CPS. You are committing child abuse. If you don't think that that is happening already, you're blind. I interviewed a. Democrat, a woman who's been in and out of gay relationships, voted Democrat for 40 years, who sent her daughter to Catholic school saying I wanted her to go to go there because I wanted her to be protected. And she's in California, by the way, wanted to be protected from all the nonsense going on in the public schools. Well, her daughter came home one day and said, guess what? My name's Michelle, but you're going to call me Mike. And she said, no, no, I'm not. And uh, guess what happened the very next day? CPS knocks on the mom's door. So when I look at issue one and I see that it is uh, it, it is going to take away a parent's right to intercede on their child's behalf, I say nonsense. We cannot allow that to happen. We should not allow that to happen. And, you know, there's a bigger movement behind all of this all the way. It's By the way, it's not about LGBTQ rights. It's not about activism. It's not about – it is about dividing and conquering. It is about – Taking away the power and the privilege of a parent from a child because then the child becomes what? A kid that is owned by the government. A government that wants complete and absolute control over you and over everything. We're going to talk more about this on the other side of the break. Uh, We are going to be joined by John Stover of Ohio Value Voters. We'll talk about issue one and some of the uh, Marxist activism going on in Ohio schools. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned to The Bruce Willey Show.